When it comes to your finances, go for the credit card that's always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We're talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. They've got everything you need to know about the listing itself. But even better, they've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools. And their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. Homes.com collaboration tools make it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information, all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework. Welcome to the Jill on Money podcast. It is Wednesday, August 4th. And I want to thank everybody for always listening and putting up with my bad mood days. Do you notice the difference? I bet you do. Uh, My sister sometimes says to me, like, oh, it didn't seem like you were in the best mood that day. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Well, this is a program that takes the mystery out of your financial life. We do that by answering your questions. So send us your financial concerns or queries to ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. Don't forget to tell us if you'd like to come on the air live because it's better when we talk to you and it's more interesting to listen to and it's more fun for me to hear how you describe your situation. But I'm happy to answer your email questions, of course. But if you want to come on live, just let us know that. Lori writes, you ready for the subject? I'm worried. Hi, Jill and Mark. I love your podcast, but it's causing me some anxiety. I just started listening. I thought we'd be okay, but now I'm worried. Don't be worried. Let's, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Come on. Lori says she's 66, husband 68. I am a retired RN and uh, Lori says I currently manage our rentals. Hmm. Okay. My husband plans on retiring in about a year. His income is $155,000. We've got four grown independent children. Thank God. Okay. She says we only have $500,000 in our IRA and unfortunately no Ross. We didn't start saving aggressively until our mid forties. Okay. They have 10 grand a month in rental income and social security. That's good. My husband won't take his until he's 70. They've got a $40,000 emergency fund. A high estimate of our monthly spending is $10,000. Lower estimate, 8,700. They've got a mortgage. It is about $400,000, 2.8%. Oh my God. Uh, it was recently appraised for $1.7 million, so massive amount of equity. I'm pretty sure you're going to advise us to sell it. It has two rentals on the on the parcel, and they earn three grand a month on it, and a soon-to-come ADU that would bring in about $2,000 a month. 
well, wait a minute. Why are you all nervous? Why are you worried? You got a ton of rental income. I don't think these guys, they've got rental income of 10 grand a month. I mean, rental income plus social security. And now you're going to get another $2,000 a month. What's the problem? All right, look, if you're really worried, then I'm not going to tell you to sell anything because you got the income. I think that if you're worried, then you try to kind of get your monthly spending down to that 9,000. But if you're a 10,000, and by the way, and your husband's going to work for another couple of years, this all looks good. You're in good shape. Look, the only part of this that's a little bit worrisome for me as I read it and hear, you know, kind of look at the story is you've got this huge asset, the house, right? The aspect of this that is a little worrisome is that it's it's illiquid, right? So you don't have to sell it, but you have to be aware that if something were to happen, if someone, one of you had bad health or something like that, then you probably would have to sell it, you know? I, I think you're in good shape. Take, let's do a, let's do a cl- deep cleansing breath. Ready? <sighs> Laura, you're okay. I mean, come on, you're a nurse. You've seen it all. You're good. As long as you're in good health, you got the money, you guys are good. All right. Uh, Tony is 61, inherited half a million bucks, paid off my credit card debt. And I invested in two income properties, single family homes in Georgia and, and their rentals. Okay. I'm working as a nurse in California. I currently have $150,000 just sitting around. All right. Well, what do you mean? So she said someone told her it's better to invest your money in Vanguard for better and safer returns, no 401k or IRA. That's ridiculous. Don't listen to this person. It looks like they're trying to talk to you about an annuity. What I would say, Tony, is um, I need you to follow up with more information. I want to know exactly what's available to you. I need to know kind of what's your situation and how much longer you think you're going to work and would you be entitled to a pension and is there matching in your retirement account that's available? We need more information, okay? Gary is taking payments on a business that he is selling and so he'll get this these payments for five years. He said, I want to preserve the money uh, without paying a huge amount of taxes. My accountant advised me to fund my Ameritrade account under my business name. Any help would be greatly appreciated. If your accountant told you that, I guess that's fine, but you're selling the business. Isn't the, I mean, you get taxed on the sale of the business. If you're saying you want to be careful about how not to generate more taxable income, then you would tilt a little bit more towards growth and you'd be careful about, I don't know what state you live in, but you know maybe there's a municipal bond aspect of this. I don't know what else is going on in your life. Again, ladies and gentlemen, we love you, but I really would like you to give us some more information. Like Ingrid, who is uh, already, Ingrid is my favorite email of the day, Mark. You ready? Hello, you and Mark are the best, not a dull moment. Ain't that the truth? Okay, Ingrid has been saving as much as they have been able to since they got married, and they have pretty small incomes. So now the kids are done with school. We want to increase our savings for retirement. After saving the max on my spouse's 401k, my 457 Roth IRAs, I'm eligible to save through a 403b at work. Should I do that or just open a taxable account? Here's the info. Ingrid's 55, husband is 56. He makes 122,000, she makes 65. They have a house that's worth 330,000, a mortgage balance of 185. 
Monthly expenses, $7,800 after tax. Retirement. I, this is hysterical because, you know, she sort of made it sound like they've got like small income. That's not small income. That's good income. They got 900 grand in a 401k, 140 in a Roth, 42,000 in a section 457 plan. They've got rental property, 500 grand of equity at cash flows, 500 bucks a month. An emergency reserve fund, 77,000. Mutual funds, 15. Oh my gosh, this is awesome. Ingrid's going to have a pension at age 62, which will be $2,500 a month. More importantly, health insurance for life. And she can carry her husband on her health insurance too. If we do retire at age 63, 62, should we convert 457s to Roth? Also, while waiting to start uh, social security at age 67, should we withdraw from our 401k? Okay. So I think what she's saying is that if they wait until, so if they retire at age 62 or 63, the question is, should they then convert for 457 to Roth? Probably not because you're going to burn up too much of your cash. Then the next question is, if they're waiting between like, let's say the four or five years between the time they retire and their full retirement age, should they just pull the money out of their 401k, you know, and then take that money out, get taxed on it. And then once they start social security, they'll lower their withdrawal. Yeah, that's probably, do you think they have enough to retire at age 62? I think you're close. Um, I think I'd rather, this is my preference. What's probably better is that you work at least until, I mean, you don't have to worry about health insurance, so that's big. But what I think you're probably going to want to do is between now and the time you retire. So you are in your mid fifties. Let's just pretend we have you retire at age 65 instead. What I would like you to do is not worry about converting your retirement assets, but can you use a Roth option for your contributions going forward? Number one, that's one question. And number two, I think I'd like you to, I'd like you to build up your non-retirement assets. So you, you have this emergency reserve fund, which is great, the 77,000 and the mutual funds, which are 15,000. I think that non-retirement account, that's what I would do. Mark thinks you want to explore selling the rental property because if you've got $500,000 of equity and it's only cash flowing $500 a month, then all of a sudden you might have money to be able to retire. You pay the tax, you move on. I think that's a good idea, Mark. That's a very good idea. Ingrid, let's explore selling the rental property unless, you know, someone's living there and you'd have to kick them out. But I do think that's a good thing to consider since it's just not making a ton of money for you. Tyler wants to know this. He says, I read an article about Congress trying to limit the amount of contributions that you can put into your Roth IRA because they would like to tax the citizens more money, although it's already from taxed income. Look, the Roth IRA is a boondoggle. <laughs> it's awesome. You know, I I understand that everyone's looking for ways to try to get money into the system. Put it this way. I think that if they make changes to the Roth at this point, money you have in there is probably going to be just fine. It may be that you're precluded from using it going forward. And so you make a decision, but we can't get, you can't react to all this stuff. You know, it's like until we have something that is in black and white, I mean, I'll take advantage of stuff while it's there. 
and I will take advantage of using a backdoor Roth as long as it's available to me. And if they close the back door and there's no front door and I can no longer do it, okay, I'll deal with that. But like, I don't know, sometimes you just got to stop looking at these things as like, oh my God, look what they're doing to me and say like, yeah, I mean, like if they're going to give it to me, I'm going to take advantage of it. But, you know, it doesn't make a ton of sense overall for tax policy in my mind, just doesn't. So, you know, Congress changes the rules on lots of things all the time. Get used to it, guys, right? Uh, anyway, uh, we are very grateful that you listen to us and we are always excited and interested to hear what's on your minds, especially when you say nice things to us and about us. Ask Jill at jillonmoney.com. That is our email address. Our website is Jill on Money. And while you're there, sign up for our free weekly newsletter. So great. Uh, Mark does all that work. And check out all the rich content that we have on the site. Try to put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. And we would like you to have some grit, some growth, some grace, and lots of gratitude. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.